0: Discipline is a key part of youth ministry and a lot of people get it wrong and they end up hurting the relationship between them and their student and doing more harm than good. That's why I've put together what I call the six R's of effective discipline. I'm going to share three of them with you in this episode. Just to keep things short, I'm going to split it up and next week I'll share the other three. And then the week after that, I'm going to do an episode where I talk about some of the things that you can do to change the dynamic in your youth ministry where you won't actually need to use as much discipline. But no matter what, discipline is still going to be important. So that's why we're going to cover three of the six R's of effective discipline right now. My name is Michael Collins. This is Maximize Youth Ministry. The show exists to help you gain skill and confidence in youth ministry. Thank you for listening. I hope you love the show today. All right. Here are the first three, respectful, reasonable, and reliable. Let me break it down, talk about one at a time. The first is respectful. Obviously, we need to respect our youth. If you're not respecting your youth, you can never expect them to respect you. And sadly, a lot of times adults will turn it around and think, well, I don't have to respect them because I'm in authority over them, but they have to respect me, yada, 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 kind of go on a power trip. That's not good. And that type of view definitely is not gonna earn you any respect from your youth. So when we have a behavioral issue, we have to correct the behavior with some form of discipline. We have to make sure that we're being respectful of who this boy or girl is as a person. And there's three things that we never want to use when it comes to discipline. And that's pain, shame, or spite. Pain Obviously, we're not going to be hurting our youth in any way. We don't want to use any form of physical discomfort as punishment because it's unnecessary and it's not our place. Now, I'm not trying to make an argument that if you're a parent, you shouldn't spank your kids. That's not what this is about. I'm saying that as a youth pastor, camp director, teacher, somebody who's working in youth ministry but isn't a parent of this child, it is not your place to administer any sort of physical pain or discomfort as a punishment. And this doesn't apply just to spanking. I used to be the program director of a summer camp and there was a staff member there one time who had a camper that was in their cabin that was refusing to stand in line in the cafeteria, refusing to behave, was messing with other campers, had been given multiple warnings. Finally, the staff member said, hey, you're not listening, you need to go outside and have a seat at the picnic tables out back, which is fine. Perfectly reasonable punishment there. But after a few minutes, you know, the kid was sitting outside and the staff member stuck their head out the door and said, no, 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 you can't sit there. You need to go sit in the sun because the camper had been sitting at a picnic table in the shade. And it was at this point that we crossed the line because now we're using the physical discomfort of sitting in the hot sun in the middle of summer as a form of punishment. And that's not necessary, and, and it comes across as cruel, especially to the kid who's being punished. And we never want to appear cruel or mean to our youth. And if we follow all six of these, that won't happen. But that's why the first one is respectful. You never use pain or discomfort to punish them. You also never use shame. Let's say you're trying to take a group of kids down a hiking trail or walk through a hallway or something like that. And you have two kids that are just running up and down the hall and refusing to stay with the group. One very common punishment or one very common form of discipline is to have the kids hold hands or or hold hands with you. Or hold hands with another kid who's not running around. They say, all right, you you guys weren't listening. Now you, need, you guys have to hold hands so you can't run away from me anymore. Or hold my hand. Now this is completely fine when we're working with five-year-olds who are used to holding adults' hands as they cross the street and things like that. It's completely out of line if we're talking about teenagers. Because it's embarrassing for a teenager to have to hold their friend's hand or hold the teacher's hand while they walk through a hallway. And again, if we're purposefully embarrassing the child or the teen, just like if we're intentionally causing them discomfort, it comes across as cruel and mean. And that's not what we want to be seen as in the eyes of our youth. And then the last thing that we never want to use when we're administering discipline is spite. Sometimes kids will get under your skin. They'll get annoying. They'll make you angry. It'll just bother you. And it can be tempting to become spiteful or want to get revenge on them for acting up through your discipline, and that's wrong. All right, we—you're the adult, you're the youth pastor, you're the teacher, you're the director. You need to be able to stay calm and cool. And if a kid has get gotten under your skin so much that you're responding out of emotion. of some sort you need to pass that situation off to somebody else for them to handle because when we become spiteful and we start to try and take our revenge on this little brat who's been driving us crazy all week that's when we tend to use shame or pain as a form of punishment so if we it's easier to avoid the first two if we can avoid becoming spiteful so that's the first one be respectful by making sure you never use pain, shame, or spite when you're administering discipline. The second R of effective discipline is reasonable. We need the discipline, the punishment, of some whatever it's going to be. It has to be reasonable. Trying to pull out some military marine's punishment of scrubbing an entire bathroom with a toothbrush is completely unreasonable. Now, I doubt anyone listening has ever tried to get a kid to scrub a bathroom with a toothbrush or cut the grass with a pair of scissors. But something that maybe some people have tried is telling a kid they have to sit still and they cannot move a muscle. And if they move at all, if they move their finger, if they scratch their nose, if they yawn, then their time restarts and they have to sit there or you're going to add another five minutes or something like that or making them sit there for half an hour. That's unreasonable for a kid to carry out. It'd be incredibly difficult for me, as an adult, to sit there and not move an inch for 15 minutes. I, that would take a lot of focus. It's, can't expect kids to be able to do that. Now, I'm not saying you can't have to tell a kid to sit down and be still for a little while or put them in timeout, but giving them 15 minutes to a half an hour where they literally can't yawn or scratch their nose is completely unreasonable. For pretty much anybody. So here's a good rule to follow when you're trying to figure out, is this reasonable for this child or teen as a form of discipline? And that is that we want to discipline to the point of regret. We want to discipline to the point where the youth member says, it wasn't worth it. My behavior, throwing that pen, stealing that candy, whatever it was, was not worth it this punishment that I now have to endure. And I keep saying the word punishment. I am trying to interject here for a second. I keep using the word punishment. I, I had a friend of mine tell me that I shouldn't use the word punishment. I should try to use the word discipline instead of punishment because punishment can rub some people the wrong way. I hope it's clear that I'm I'm not talking about anything cruel or, I mean, obviously, I was just telling you not to be cruel. But if, if punishment is... You don't like that word. Just imagine that I'm saying discipline. I was trying to say discipline instead of punishment and I just it just comes out. I I haven't trained myself that well yet. So, I'm sorry if that bothers you, but just hopefully this is still being <laughs> is still helpful to you. But what we want to try to do is discipline to the point of regret, right? So, we want to do the bare minimum necessary to make the child or teen regret their misbehavior and this can be hard you know you're not always going to know there's no kitchen timer that's going to ding when you've hit the right amount of discipline but the better you know the child or teen the better you're going to be able to tell okay what exactly do we need what's necessary to correct this behavior here and if the first time you have to administer discipline doesn't work then increase it the second time they misbehave but the reason that we try to do the bare minimum necessary to achieve regret is because any discipline past the point of regret is completely unnecessary you're no longer accomplishing anything good at that point all you're doing is removing or decreasing the amount of fun that the child is able to have in your youth ministry and decreasing the amount of time that they can spend actually participating in your programming and of, in the programming of your ministry. And that's not what we want. We want kids to be there and be engaged in what we're doing at our churches and schools and camps. Once the child has re- regretted their action, mission accomplished. We don't want to try to do anything on top of that. And sometimes all that takes is talking to them and pulling them aside and saying, hey, listen, you really need to stop doing that. Sometimes it takes removing a privilege or taking them out of an activity of some sort. But again, it's hard to gauge. It's going to help you a lot if you know your kids and have a really good relationship with them. Okay, now it's time for the last one in this episode. And then remember next week, I'm going to give you three more. But the last one, the third R, is reliable. You have to be reliable. And in other words, you have to be consistent. You have to mean what you say. A few ways we can, we go about doing this. One, if you punish Johnny for not waiting his turn or cutting in line at the snack bar, you have to punish Susan the exact same way for the exact same crime. We need to be consistent and not pick and choose favorites or punish one child more than another, because again, they're going to pick up on that. That seems unfair. We want to be reliable and consistent across the board when we're administering punishments or disciplines. We also need to make sure that our discipline, the discipline that we're handing out or administering, is not affected by our own mood. We don't come into work in a bad mood one day and all of a sudden we're administering punishments that are twice as severe as anything we normally do. That throws kids off. It they, they aren't expecting it and it makes it seem extra harsh and cruel and it makes them feel like you just don't like them when in reality you just spilled coffee on your pants this morning and it put you in a bad mood. So just like I said when we were talking about being respectful, you cannot let your emotions affect your disciplinary decisions. And then a third way of being reliable is you have to mean what you say. If you say, Johnny, if you do that again, you're going to be sitting in timeout for five minutes. Then, when Johnny does it again, you have to make him sit out for five minutes. You cannot say you're going to do something and then fail to follow through. Otherwise, all you're doing is teaching the kids that hey, you don't actually have to listen. When I tell you there's going to be a punishment or you need to stop doing something because I'm not actually going to do anything. That's what you're teaching your youth and that's not going to help you. I know sometimes it's going to feel like it's just so much easier just to let it slide, just ignore it and that's an okay if you haven't said to them that you're going to administer some sort of discipline. Anything that you say you're going to do, you have to do it. Otherwise, you're no longer reliable. And we want to be reliable, not only in disciplinary situations, but across the board. We want to be seen as a reliable person who does what they say they're going to do, who can be counted on to be there and to back up everything that they say. So I hope those are helpful to you. If you follow those three, that's going to help you a lot whenever you have a behavioral issue in youth ministry. Next week, I'm going to give you the other three, which are just as important. And then the week after that, I'm going to give you some tips on how to change the dynamics that you don't have to discipline as much as you currently are. But I hope this has been helpful to you. Remember, love the kids all the time, no matter what. And I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you enjoyed that episode. At the time of recording this, we have five reviews on Apple Podcasts, and four on Spotify. I would love it if you could go and increase that number by one. It'd mean a lot to me and let me know that you are out there, you're listening, and you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much for listening.